Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, get us connected, get us chatting, and perhaps inspired or challenged to do just a bit more because we made the connection. Our co-producer partners, Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, which is RISE, are joining Connections today. So always excited to have Asma Mohammed as a co-host. She is the Advocacy Director at RISE. And Aisha Abdullahi, who is the Civic Engagement Coordinator. Welcome. Thank you for having us, Lori. Absolutely. You guys are great co-hosts and uh, a lot of good things to talk about today. I also want to mention that Clockwork sponsors our RISE shows, and they do digital thinking for the digital era, and that's clockwork.com. Well, what a last few months, you guys. Has this not been just a, a, a roller coaster? Even just the last month, Lori. Oh, oh, my gosh. It, doesn't it feel like we've just we've gone into at least up until January 20th, it felt like fifth quarter of 2020. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was looking at something that talked about the three went the last three Wednesdays in January. <laughs> and oh, my gosh, just every <laughs> every single one has been <laughs> different, like a different kind of trauma or something really great. It's just it's crazy. You know, and you can't heal when you're in so many traumas. You just, it's exactly. the next level of trauma, the next level of trauma. Uh, you know, I really felt like January 20th was was like our new year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really didn't happen on January 1st. It happened on January 20th and what a party. But I think it is important to take a look at, at all of those horrible Wednesdays and scary Wednesdays and good Wednesday. We had a good Wednesday on the 20th. But let's go back um, to the 6th, the January 6th, that that was a hit in the gut, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that there are there are a lot of people who are surprised, and I think there are people like Aisha and I who do this work and are also Muslim women of color who who knew this was possible because we we see some of these things play out either online or in person. Um, but when white supremacists attacked the Capitol, they didn't even call it that at first. There were there were so many, you know, euphemisms used to describe what was happening. And I think and of course I was thinking like if this was anyone else, they would have called it a terrorist attack or any of these other things. And it's not even that I want them to call it a terrorist attack because that's rooted in Islamophobia and anti blackness. Mm-hmm. But God, it was just awful. There were people who were denying that it was bad. There were people denying that it was violence. There were people just justifying and saying, well, what did you expect? There are people that have been upset. And I'm like, I've been upset. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't storm the Capitol. Well, and, and, you know, the very premise that these are just nice people that are got that got mad, um, you know, just reeks of, of, of white, uh, you know, privilege that, that, mm-hmm. that they don't even consider, you know, getting more people there to protect the capital because well it's just white people right exactly i mean if if you've ever been to a protest in minnesota and are a black or brown person or if it's been mm-hmm. for um black lives matter or if it's been mm-hmm. for a life lost to police violence you know that they bring out the mace within minutes right 
Well, you just look they, back. They at- do that to children. Oh, that's what just breaks my heart. Yeah. But just the, just the fact that there were so many people and they were not worried that there could be mm-hmm. something that would need more in law enforcement. When you look back in the summer when there was Black Lives Matter, that looked like there was like five to ten times as many people there to, to mm-hmm. protect the grounds. And that was a peaceful protest. And these people didn't make any uh, secret that they were angry and that they, you know, were ready for violence. There were nooses out in that crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah there guns. were nooses out. They had guns. They, I mean, they they tore down doors. They were sitting in places that are protected by, you know, Secret Service <laughs> regularly. I just don't understand how how we... I just couldn't think about it. I remember I was reading a really funny tweet. And if you watched um, this movie, you'll you'll think it's funny. But <laughs> someone wrote, like, now it, it, I, I understand how easy it could be to steal the Declaration of Independence. Oh, yes. If you remember that, <laughs> yes, that Nicholas Cage movie. Yes. <laughs> okay, I now I get it. <laughs> yeah, I remember in that movie, you thinking, like, how could this happen? You're like, well, if you're white, it's possible. Oh. No, for sure. Well, and then to lose five people, um, mm-hmm. that just wasn't necessary. And no one needed to die at the Capitol during a ceremonial process where, you know, we, we certify the election. You know, such exactly. a And yet it was creating, it created, there was such energy in thinking that the election could be turned at that point. And that they could take over the capital and be 1776? That's the thing that I didn't understand. Like, what did they expect to happen after this? I mean, they really thought that they were going to take over, right? That they were going to change something by, by storming, by being violent, by holding people hostage. Well, I believe and that they really thought that they were doing the bidding of the president and that they were the chosen ones yeah. by the president and that he would, you know, stand by them and, and then... I guess provide them pardons. <laughs> yeah, the cavalry or whatever would you know come marching mm-hmm. in and and say yes, you're right, and we're glad you did this. Yeah, they obviously don't understand how government works. No, <laughs> or should work. Well, neither did the president, so it sort of exactly. was like a, a match yeah. set. Well, the, but there's also a feeling, even though it, it, there was a lot of things that were crazy about it, there, there were real lives that were hurt. You know, people died. There was terror. There was trauma. I mean, there was our vice president that they wanted to hang. There was our Mm -hmm. speaker of the house that they wanted to kill. Um, Those are, those are things that can, you know, leave you feeling a little powerless in, in how did that happen? Yeah. What are some ideas Mm -hmm. of how do we not only cope with the trauma, but how do we make some changes? Yeah, I mean, actually, you want to talk about how, how we think it was one yeah. way? Yeah, no, for sure. I think for us, it's we're pushing, um, to ad- we're advocating for legislation to reduce hate crimes, essentially, you know, to recognize that this is a real thing and that a lot of us do face on a regular basis. And so to bring this to light and to show the fear at times that many of us live with at a constant pace. Um, other ways that we can move forward with this is just holding legislators um, who supported Trump accountable. Um, many of them did show up to white supremacy 
rallies or did not really um, denounce what happened at the Capitol. And so um, for them to continue being held accountable and at times even be removed from their seat just because what they're standing and what they're supporting for is violence at the end of the day. And we don't um, acknowledge that at all. Um, and would like to recognize, show light to that. And then, I guess, lastly, to continue tracking these elected officials and just showing how they deliver or follow through with their legislations and their promises. Yeah, and I think that, so after what happened on the 6th, um, there were several members of the Minnesota Republican Party um, who said, you know, we're against this. It was in the House only. I don't, I don't remember the Senate. I think the Senate did release something later as well. Um, but members of the Minnesota House, and I was like, there's some members of the GOP that are not on this list. And then I realized they were more radical parts of the GOP, and they're part of the new House GOP caucus. And they were actually at some of those rallies happening the same day in Minnesota. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. So how terrifying is it that we have those people that have power to write bills and vote on bills and, you know, put legislation into actual action. Um, it's, I think it's how, how, how is we, I mean, of course I know how we've gotten here, but how are, I just don't understand how so many white folks in Minnesota are oblivious to this. How are they not seeing mm-hmm. that this is happening in our own state? I think Minnesota is one of the states where if anything like storming the Capitol could happen, it could happen here. If well, it happened in, in Michigan, which is, you know, not not, yeah. not too far. Yeah. And, they, you know, they, they tried to take, uh, they, they've taken um, the governor, like, tried to take governor hostage. Like, they've done really awful things. Um, but there was rhetoric used in Minnesota at the Minnesota rally that was violent and to the point that Governor Walz had to take his family into protect, in, like, protective, like, mm-hmm. hiding. So those things, yeah. I just don't, I don't understand how how there are people who think that this couldn't happen again, that it's all over. It's not over. That was just one showing of a couple thousand of Trump supporters. But there are many, many in Minnesota who are hiding, who are waiting, waiting to see when their leader or somebody else pops up to tell them that there's something new to work on. For whatever I, reason... I think, oh, go ahead. Oh, for, I just wanted to add that, Asma, I think it's interesting how the way that they protest at the governor's house is not getting as much attention as many other um, events have gotten. And so I remember driving by one day and they barricaded the entire block of the governor's house just because of how bad the protests were getting and things like that. And so Mm -hmm. it looks like you live in a war zone Mm -hmm. rather than, you know, the city of St. Paul. (laughs) Yeah. They, I mean, I think that we've we've given them a lot of power just by like people saying that they don't they don't have power. They're saying like, oh, they're just part of the fringe. They aren't part of the fringe. There are a lot of people who support what they're doing. If you've been mm-hmm. to an anti-Trump protest ever, you know that they exist and they've gotten in my face. Like they're they're scary. Um, but that's part of why I think we need to keep working on some of the things that we're working on, like this legislation and holding those elected officials accountable. I mean. Pete Stauber just yesterday was saying things like we, you know, we, we still need to make sure that Trump like gets back in power, just saying really awful things. I mean, this is an elected person who is, he was elected to represent an entire congressional district. 
Wow. Meaning there are thousands, tens of thousands of people who believe what he's saying. One of the things that struck me when um, Biden gave his his inaugural speech was the idea of unity not being that everybody is going to get along and everybody's going to get it together, but that enough people can get it together to move us through this period. I think we're going to go through a lot of backlash of truth not being taken as truth, you know, that that it, it that it's more fun to have emotions sometimes, I think, or anger than it is to have a shared, you know, reality of this is what is true and what isn't. Um, and I think we're going to need a lot of education, a lot of working with kids, a lot of just making a commitment. And not everybody's going to be able to do, but, but if most of us can, like, commit to the truth and commit to, you know, a way of being with each other that's respectful. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful that we have our new administration, but there, as you're saying, there's a lot of folks out there that are not on track for wanting to support uh, an agenda that pulls us together. Yeah. And I honestly, the, the calls for unity are frustrating yeah. because there are those of us who've been working to try and build unity with this, you know, again, terrible side of the world for forever. And it hasn't worked, clearly, mm-hmm. because they're secretly plotting to kill us. <laughs> and I don't want unity with white supremacists. I never have. Well, and I yeah, never will. I think, you know, another a friend of mine pointed out, I mean, you, you can draw a line with, you know, fascism and, you know, Nazis, right? You know, when you see Camp Auschwitz, yeah. I think everyone can do like a moral red line and go, yeah, it's really hard to be in unity with someone that wants to exterminate folks. So let's... Exactly. You know, there, and that's why I think it's good that it isn't about you. I liked how he phrased it that it, it, I don't think we can get right now to a place where we're all unified, but how can a majority of us find a way to connect um, mm-hmm. and realize that we're going to have some tough times? I mean, I'm just glad that at the very least, the people in the Electoral College could agree that there's something wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that we had the result that we had. In November, that took, you know, three, four months. <laughs> and, and a lot of them were good good Republicans that were saying, yeah, we, we did this right. This was one of the best elections we've ever had. This is good. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm, but I'm excited to see what changes we have, especially with some of the change in power mm-hmm. um, after after Georgia. So we'll, we'll be able to talk a little bit more about what we're we're working on um, at the Capitol. But yes, I think that there there is a lot of good stuff on the horizon, and I'm hopeful. And I'm also like extremely cautious of being hopeful. <laughs> I think we all are. We're all like just taking our hands off of our eyes and peeking out, going, "Can we come out now?" <laughs> yeah, so. I think it's just, just holding breath, holding yes, our breath a little yes. bit still. Well, in our next segment, I am looking forward to hearing about um, the RISE co-hosting the third annual Muslim and Jewish Women's Day at the Capitol. And I am looking forward to hearing more about that and how the audience can get involved and what things that they can do. So let's look forward to segment two and a real positive look to the future. So be stay with us. Asma and Aisha are going to share with us about the day at the Capitol. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. 
I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and our co-producer partners, Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, RISE, are joining the Connections Radio Show today. We have Asma Mohammed as a co-produce, as a co-host and co-producer. She's the advocacy director at RISE, and I have Aisha Abdullahi, who is the civic engagement coordinator and co-host today. Welcome. Thank you for having us, Lori. Absolutely. So I'm real excited to hear about the third annual Muslim and Jewish Women's Day at the Capitol. Um, that is on what date? Is that on January 20... 26th? 26th. 26th. Yeah, up. so it's on Tuesday, which is just, well, just a little over two days away. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're really excited to have it. It's our third annual one, as you mentioned. And we started doing this um, three years ago because we wanted to talk more about gun violence prevention and that work slowly grew into us. You know, we would survey Muslim women and um, the Jewish women in the community that we work with, and we wanted to know more about what things that they wanted to work on. So things that came out of that were um, reproductive justice, menstrual equity, supporting teachers of color, um, things like that. So now, this year, things have changed a lot <laughs> because of COVID. And because of COVID, our, our legislative agenda has changed quite a bit. And we're going to be following the lead of some legislators um, that we trust who have, you know, who are leading the way on things like economic justice. So, so it'll be a little different. But um, Aisha, you want to talk us through the three parts of the day? Yeah, for sure. So we'll be starting off our day with a kickoff rally. And this will just be kind of introductions from um, legislators um, and as uh, elected legislators, um, new ones, as well as ones that have been reelected. And so just to hear kind of their plans for this session and how, what we can look forward to. And then we'll be, uh, we'll be having two separate panels. Our first panel will focus on kind of Muslim and Jewish leaders and how their faith plays a role um, in their lawmaking, I guess, and things like that. And so how does that influence the decisions they make and um, all around? And then lastly, economic justice. I believe in this time of COVID and things like that, we rec- there's so many areas that we'd want to touch upon. And we just feel like economic justice made the most sense, um, whether they're planning on having a stimulus package focused on community and families um, how they plan on targeting homelessness and things like that. And so just ways that they plan on supporting the community. Yeah. So I think the, the panel, the panels are w- what are different this year. Usually you'll see people, you know, having meetings. Um, and when we go to the day at the Capitol, typically we're going in person. We're not having a virtual event, which is what we're doing on Tuesday because we believe in COVID and mm-hmm. we believe in keeping everyone safe. <laughs> Um, I was so, going to ask you that if if this was still going to be live or if this was um, a Zoom uh, interactive. Yeah, so it'll be a Zoom interactive, and then we'll have it on Facebook Live as well. So for people that want to just watch via Facebook and not sign into the Zoom, that's totally okay. Um, and you can just, if you want to check it out, just register at revivingsisterhood.org. You can check it out there. But um, one thing that we really want to push for in this is that there are so many unknowns this year. And there were last year as well, but a lot of the bills that we were working on, you know, that we have been working on for the past two or three years, aren't going to see the light of day just because there's so much COVID relief um, work that needs to happen. So there are going to be, you know, the health and human services bills, the big package bill that's going to pass, and it's a budget year. So there needs to be enough money for 
all of the COVID relief stuff that mm. needs to happen. Mm-hmm. So, um, but one thing that we are really focusing on this year is, I mean, during the summer, we saw how much housing, I mean, we've always believed that housing is a human right and shelter is a human right. Um, but over the summer, we saw how encampments were treated by the city and the county, um, and actually both counties, by Hennepin and Ramsey County. And um, we don't want that to happen anymore. We want people to feel safe where they're staying. We want people to have housing and equitable housing at that. We don't believe in the myth of, you know, providing affordable housing at $1,400 for a studio apartment. Yeah. So we are, we're hoping to um, follow the lead of some legislators who are on the task force for preventing homelessness. Um, and we use the word, we, we use the term houselessness uh, or how people, you know, people experiencing homelessness or people that don't have homes. Um, just because we know that it is a temporary thing, right? Mm-hmm. We, we know that mm-hmm. this is just the point in that person's life, and we're hoping that they can get shelter soon. So we are, we're working on a lot of different things. So this economic justice panel will kind of allow us to capture a lot of different work. It could be stimulus packages, like Aisha said, for businesses and for families. And it could also mean, you know, making sure that people have homes. Um, it, can, it can mean so many different things. And it'll help us understand kind of, what legislators want to spend money on right now because they are in charge of what happens with the budget. So we're excited. And housing is health as well. I mean, when you have housing, you can have, it's like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You can start moving up into the next level of being able to take care of yourself. Absolutely. And those things don't... Especially in the time of COVID, Lori. Yes, absolutely. How how are people supposed to function when there are, you know, either close quarters and shelters? Right. Um, you know, you, sometimes you can't bring your entire family. A lot of shelters are, are just for families. A lot mm-hmm. of them are just for single folks. Mm-hmm. Like people have to really pick and choose and it's unfair, right? Nobody chooses to be, uh, nobody chooses to, to not have any shelter. Well, it would be wonderful it, if this uh, pandemic that has wreaked such havoc gives us um, a sense of what we can do differently in the future and, and recognizing what needs to happen for, for all people's dignity and for the health of all as well uh, and supporting. I have, Mm -hmm. I've got my break. I've overdone my break again. I've got to get to a break uh, so that we can come back and that you can tell us more about what ways people can get involved uh, and support this and what, what ways uh, you can engage to continue to support uh, this update, this upcoming day at the Capitol for Muslim and Jewish women. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and our co-producer partners today is the Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, RISE. And my co-hosts are Asma Mohammed, who is the Advocacy Director at RISE, and Aisha Abdullahi, who is the Civic Engagement Coordinator. I also want to mention that Clockwork sponsors our RISE shows, and we are grateful for their digital thinking for the digital era, and that's clockwork.com. Hi, you guys. Hey, how's it going? Doing well. Excited to hear about ways folks can get involved and support the Muslim and Jewish Women's Day, September. uh, Excuse me. I keep saying September. I don't know why I'm stuck back (laughs) in September. I think I just stopped back then. January 26th. Um, And, 
you know, first, I'd love to just have you share about how important working in partnership uh, with the Muslim and Jewish Women's Day and, and what that's meant to you all. Yeah, we, we started this partnership several years ago, um, and we first partnered because we found that gun violence was impacting our communities in a very different way than we're seeing in schools. And of course, that was important to us, too. But we were seeing things happening like mosques being bombed or gunned down and the same thing happening in synagogues. And so we wanted to tackle gun violence in a different way um, because we knew that white supremacists were targeting communities of faith, but specifically, you know, Muslim and Jewish communities. Um, So that was one thing that brought us together. And then as time went on, we were like, well, we are Muslim and Jewish women. We are not monolithic. And we have so many other things that are important to us. So we just a little bit away from gun violence, not to say that it's not important to us, but we, we started talking about more issues like menstrual equity, um, te- getting teachers of color in our schools, um, working on sexual violence prevention, just a lot of different things. And so it's really just become a sisterhood. So all of the women who are part of the Muslim Jewish Women of Minnesota are, you know, they're experiencing sisterhood and they're experiencing it through action which I think is really beautiful because when we feel like there is nothing that we can do, we know that we can rely on our sisters to find something for all of us to put our energy into. And you mentioned in the last segment that this is going to be on Zoom. Can you tell us a little bit about the panelists? Yeah. So we are, so Aisha had this brilliant idea. Aisha, do you want to tell us why you had this brilliant idea of doing panels versus individual meetings? Yeah, I just felt that had I been participating in a day um, virtually and I was told to go into a breakout room with a legislator, um, it could be intimidating as well as like a challenge because now you have to leave a space and navigate another room and then come back. And I just felt that we might not be able to, it might not be accessible to everyone. And so I felt that having a panel discussion format will just allow the attend like those that are there to hear from and diff- and ask many different representatives then opportunity to kind of connect with them and hear how new legislators are approaching it versus like you know ones that have been there for a while and it's just a way that we can keep the community together and allow people to connect with them um virtually um, in a different way, essentially. Yeah, and I think it's exciting because this way we can touch, you know, more people. And in the past, we would have, you know, a rally in the rotunda, and then we'd go on to these individual legislative appointments in person, you know, in offices. Or we would just stop by an office and say, hey, do you have five minutes? Even if you don't, we are just going to come in for a second and, and give you this, <laughs> this quick uh, spiel. There is but, no wrong answer. <laughs> we will be coming. <laughs> We're still coming, exactly. exactly. And, and now um, we have less access to some of those legislators because they don't have to respond to emails mm-hmm. and they don't have to come and sign into a Zoom call, but they usually have to be in their offices. <laughs> so We're here. We are, yeah, so we are having legislators that we love and that we, we trust and that we respect join us for these panels. Um, but we also recognize that this is this is limited access. And so we're trying to increase that by giving people more face time with multiple legislators at once. Mm-hmm. So they can kind of juxtapose different ideas that they see with, you know, legislators who are on the same panel. So they can say, oh, Aisha Gomez says this, 
and Muhammad Noor says this, and Ram Lath says this, for example. Like, there are so many different things that people can hear and take in, and we're hoping that that helps people understand that this is complicated. Um, people have very different differing viewpoints, um, even if they come from the same party or maybe are of the same faith or, you know, could be in the same caucus. We, we want people to understand that this is hard um, and that COVID makes a lot of these things even harder because we don't get that face time, but also that we need to stay connected and that this is just one way for us to understand what's going on and to support legislation that is equitable. Because at the end of the day, that's really all we care about as Muslim and Jewish women, like people of faith. We care about having equitable policies that will help all Minnesotans, not just Muslim and Jewish women, but all Minnesotans. Well, I think it's also important, as you're saying, this affects all people, that this is education for all people. And it, and yeah. I encourage everyone um, to take a chance, take some time, and, and to visit um, these panel presentations. Now, you can get to it just by going to RISE, correct? Yep, just to revivingsisterhood.org. And if you're like, I don't want to go to a website, just find us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. It's all Reviving Sisterhood, um, and you'll be able to find all the information. And if, let's say you don't want to sign into the Zoom call, you don't want to register for any reason, you can just go to our Facebook page, and all of it will be broadcasted live as it's happening. Um, you just wouldn't be able to enter, like, you know, you're, you can still enter comments and things, and there'll be somebody monitoring that. But the best way to do it is to join the Zoom call, obviously. And when you go to revivingsisterhood.org, it pops up right away. You'll see yep. that um, here's you can register for it, and then it's on your calendar, and you can go visit. Um, and these are things, these are important things that these women have taken a leadership role to help all people understand the importance of equity. And with that, it, it's a good opportunity for us all to go to school on it. Uh, you may have a group that you're working with that you can, you know, go to school on how they've presented these ideas and bring them back to others. It can be the education of gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. And, you know, in the past, we like last year, for example, we brought students, high school students with us to the Capitol. And this year, because they're distant learning at that exact time, <laughs> we yeah. can't. But if you are an educator and you want to somehow, you know, bring your students in just for like 15 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever, that would be awesome. Like, bring them. So revivingsisterhood.org, that's where you can register and get some more information. And we send, you know, we'll be sending emails again and again until you have it nailed into your brain. (laughs) (laughs) Revivingsisterhood.org. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. January 26th, 10 a.m., 12 p.m., and 2 p.m. There are three different sessions. So you can sign into any one that you want or all of them if you're super committed like us. <laughs> it's totally up to you. Well, I think it is nice if you've if you've never seen um, anything happen at the Capitol. You might have gone to the Capitol or you know, you've driven by the Capitol, but you're really not sure what happens. This really gives you a sneak behind the curtain uh, uh, of seeing what happens and, and how discussion takes place and how ideas exactly. get presented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of these, con- no, not some of these, these conversations impact what goes into a bill, right? So if someone says like, oh, you're missing this piece about houselessness, you're missing this piece about shelters, and somebody that is making that bill or writing that bill doesn't know about it, you could be that person that educates that legislator. So it's a really cool opportunity to tell your legislators exactly what you need and what you expect. You had some mm-hmm. aha moments the first year you did that. I remember you talking about like, Laws are real. Laws come from real people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, no, because, I again. mean, when we drafted our first bill, it was just 
wild. And Aisha's on the Young Women's Cabinet now, so she's going to be doing a lot of that. Aisha, do you want to talk more about bills at all? Yeah, so I just think, like, it's such an intimidating process for a lot of those who are not educated about it or who don't really understand the process. And I just think having a day at the Capitol opens that door for them and allows them to kind of listen and understand the process from actual legislators. And that is like the most amazing part about the process. I think it shows them into a world in which they just never really got the chance to see before. And I think now that we're doing it virtually, it's accessible for a lot more people. Um, I remember even back when I was in college, um, attending day at the Capitol was such a struggle because it's a full day and I had classes and things like that. But now that it's virtual, I feel like it gives people the opportunity to even hop on for just one panel or two panels, you know, whatever their schedule allows. Or they can just have it on as like a background and listen um, while doing work. And so it really is giving people an opportunity to learn more and understand how their tax dollars are getting um, are, are being used for funding. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I said that accessibility has really increased and that's intentional. And it'll be interesting to see how next year, hopefully, you know, we'll be back in person. We don't know anything yet, but fingers crossed, let's say we are back in person. Like, how will we still incorporate these this digital mm-hmm. these digital tools mm-hmm. to make people access more um, at the Capitol? One of the things that I've loved over the years is seeing how many um, people you've helped get in to legislation, you know, that you have been able to elect, uh, you've elect more elected officials now, and that the mm-hmm. party kind of grows from, you know, folks that came to talk about it to now you have partners and leaders that are making a difference. And and, exactly. and I see that you've you've been a really strong force in helping to make people feel comfortable in approaching those leadership roles. Yeah. We I mean we want people to feel like all of this is open to them and not mm-hmm. just that it's open to them, but this is for them. Right. We always tell people that the Capitol is the people's house. It really is. Like you should feel comfortable there. And I feel I feel really comfortable at the Capitol, usually, depending on the day of the week and who and which legislators I'm working with. Mm-hmm. But we, we really want people to understand that this process is not, it should never have been so complicated. And that we're trying to demystify a lot of this because this, making it complicated, that's rooted in white supremacy. We don't want people to feel like this is not open to them. We want people to feel like the Capitol is theirs, the legislator is their neighbor, because that's what they're legally required to be, right? Right. Um, that mm-hmm. this is this is for them. These laws should benefit them because their money is going into it. And beyond that, like we should be invested in what's going on around us. And I think that it takes a long time because all we really get is those tours of the Capitol in elementary school, and then mm-hmm. you're kind of done with it. Right. <laughs> and we, well, we don't want that. We want people to reengage. I think this is one of the most beautiful answers to January 6th, you know, march on the, uh, the terrace uh, on the Capitol, um, that that we can celebrate your leadership in bringing ideas and, and truly making it the people's house and, and honoring it and, and loving it for the, the people's house. And if, uh, if the horrible things that happened on January 6th inspire more people to defend the house and be part of the house – then that's something that that we can um, that we can learn from that trauma, and and so I thank you 
for bringing this mm. educational opportunity as a way to mm-hmm. say this is this is our home and we all belong. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited. We want people to feel like this is theirs. And even if you're not Muslim or Jewish and you're not a Muslim or Jewish woman, um, you can definitely observe. We want to center Muslim and Jewish women in these mm-hmm. spaces because there aren't very many spaces that center us all the time. So we we, we invite you to still join in, that you listen in, and mm-hmm. take time to understand, like, you know, what the needs of, you know, what needs that we're bringing up and what questions we are bringing up from our communities and from our from our homes, from ourselves. Um, but, yeah, anyone is welcome to, to watch and, and join in. Just know that we're going to be centering Muslim and Jewish women's voices throughout these conversations. And speaking of celebrating... Muslim and Jewish voices. We're going to be celebrating Rise in the next segment, five years on the 28th. So let's, um, I need to take a break and come back and give plenty of time so that we can um, give a toast uh, to our celebrating of the fifth anniversary of the Rise group and how um, happy that we are that you are here and, and have been here for five years and going strong. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and our co-producer partners are the Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, RISE. Uh, my co-hosts have been today Asma Mohammed, who is the Advocacy Director at RISE, and Aisha Abdullahi, who is the Civic Engagement Coordinator. And we're celebrating, aren't we? Five years. We are. Five years. Ooh. Can you believe it? I can, I can. I can. You guys have worked hard and have done amazing feats in the last five years. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I just think back to the fact that when we first started, I mean, I wasn't even there for the very beginning, mm-hmm. um, but it was just Noshina and she wasn't even getting paid because she, she, yeah, she, she couldn't get paid for the first couple of years. No, um, she believed in then, it. She, she yeah, gave it but, her and heart. And then there were just a few interns. And I think I was the first full-time employee that was paid. Um, and that was, I don't even remember when, 2017 maybe. So it's it's just wild to me. And now we have a full staff of seven people. Amazing. I'm like, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. It is. And so, I remember when she hired you, you didn't believe her at first, or, or you, you, there was something about how she was hired that she wanted you to uh, apply for the job. Yeah, she wanted me to apply. And I thought she was joking because, <laughs> I mean, I was like, I, I didn't, I didn't even, honestly, I knew a little bit about Rise and I had, you know, had spoken on a Rise panel before, but I didn't know enough to, to know that there was like, there were more staff. Um, and so when I remember I was complaining on Facebook as I do every now and then, <laughs> um, about white supremacy in the workplace. And she was like, come work for me. And I thought, and I was like, haha, Nashina, very funny. And then she was like, no, I'm serious. Apply here. And so I took a leap of faith because in the, at that point I was in education and here I am four years later. <laughs> and doing excited. wonderful work. Yeah. So we were very, very excited. Five years means, you know, we're going to go all out. We're having a celebration online, which you can also register for at our website, revivingsisterhood.org. You can double register. You can <laughs> register for the Day of the Capitol and then register for our five-year celebration. Um, really be all about RISE this week. And the cele- we, we have done good work. And the celebration's on the 28th. Is that right? Yeah. Correct. It's the 28th in the evening, and Aisha and I are going to be dressing up. Aisha, what are you wearing? 
Oh my gosh, I haven't thought that out. Um, probably like <laughs> a simple. <laughs> I think yeah, I want to go all out though. Like I haven't had a reason to dress up um, in so long, and so this is an opportunity, you know, to put on a nice dress and get up a good hijab for once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to actually do my makeup for the first time in I don't know how long. <laughs> so I'm very excited. Mm. I'm going to put on some earrings. Um, but we have some spoken word artists. We have some musical um, artists that are going to be joining us. So we're really excited because it has been, it's been a year. Yeah. It has really been a crazy, crazy year. And a year a lot of, of a lot of loss and trauma as well. So this will, I think, give us a moment to start off on some different footing. And remind people that we have so much to be grateful for in this moment, um, just because we have one another, because we have sisterhood. So it'll be it'll be exciting. And there's a video. There yeah, we had an one. opportunity. Yeah, we had an opportunity this year to get um, our work recorded, and so we'll be really, really looking forward to seeing the showcase of that at the five year anniversary. Yeah. And I also hear there's maybe a little preview of things to come in the future that you're talking about. Yeah. So we'll be talking a little bit more about, you know, what people can expect in the next few years. But there are there are going to be some new things again on the horizon. There are some really exciting things. Um, but more than anything, I think we're just excited to be sharing this space and reminding people of all the great work that we've done together over the past several years. Like there are people who, who were there for that first meeting that Noshina had in 2015. Um who, you know, are like the founding members of RISE. And then there are people who have just gotten involved in this year. And all everyone's equally important to the work that we do. We just we need everyone to understand that this none of this could happen if it was just a one woman show, right? That this is because of the partnerships we built along the way. This is because people believed in it and believed in this vision of having a world in which Muslim women are celebrated. And so we're going to celebrate them a little bit more on Thursday. And, you know, it's a river that flows. It, it, it gathers and it, it, it um, has curves and turns. You know, what you started out with is, you know, still there but grows. It's, it's very exciting mm -hmm. to see. I will, yeah. I will stop in to the party for sure. Great. We're excited <laughs> to have you. It'll Abs be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And others can too. You can go to revivingsisterhood.org and uh, get to know these wonderful women and the wonderful work that they're doing. Yeah. And see and the have, outfits. We have some people. Yeah, we're going to have some people that are on it from our staff that are going to be singing oh, um, and have their little ukuleles and things like that, which is really cool. Um, yeah, we are we're really looking forward to it because I think we, we do need a moment to just kind of breathe and have fun. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said, this year has this year is a lot, or this last year was a lot, and we we deserve to celebrate one another and have hope and yeah. and see the potential. Uh, and and hopefully, you know, put put those four years behind us and and see the vision ahead. Yeah, there is exactly. there's a lot to look forward to. Absolutely. Forward to. Well, thank you so much for all that you do and and the shows that you bring to us um, to our audience to help you know gain a greater understanding of of how we all can create equity for all because we all do better when we all do better. So yes, we do. Thank you so much, Asma and Aisha, and I look forward to having you back soon. And happy 50th anniversary! <laughs> <laughs>